Thanks for joining me for another episode of the Relatable Mama podcast. My name is Anna Richardella, and I am a mom of two boys under two, a wife, board-certified behavior analyst, and owner of Anchor Behavioral Consulting. I am so excited to introduce my first guest, Christina DiVincenzo. Christina, welcome to the podcast. Thanks so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here. Uh, I'm Christina. I am a board-certified behavior analyst. I will start going into my educational background really quickly. I went to George Mason University um, with a bachelor's in psychology, an ABA in special education minors, and then I went to grad school at the University of Cincinnati online and completed a master's of education in foundations of behavior analysis. I was working full-time while I completed that as a paraprofessional and a teacher. Christina and I met in February of 2020 when I had just started working as a center supervisor. Christina was working in early intervention and picking up cases as a BCBA. A month later when the world shut down, Christina and I stayed in contact pretty much 24-7 with our sign-off from FaceTime or virtual sessions being, talk to you in five minutes. We have continued working together in various capacities over the past four years, and I am so excited to have Christina's help with my company and to continue to learn with and work from each other. Christina, tell me how you got started in the field. Yeah, so I was lucky enough to know what I wanted to do from a really young age. My brother, that's two years younger than me, was diagnosed on the spectrum in the late 90s. So I kind of got to see the progression of his schools and and my family's difficulties and and all of that um, from a young age. So I looked at colleges based on their ABA programs after I learned about the field of ABA and knowing that I wanted to work in the special education field in some capacity. But before that, I volunteered with Special Olympics the minute that I was old enough to be a one-to-one buddy, and I was my brother's buddy while I played baseball, while he did bowling and track and all those other really great opportunities. Um, In addition to that, I ran private gymnastics classes for kids with special needs when I was in high school. And then I started in the field of ABA sophomore year of college doing in-home and in-clinic sessions. I worked in-home as an ABA and EI therapist. I worked in schools as a paraprofessional, as a sub, and as a teacher. And then, after I passed my board's exam, as a BCBA, in-home, in-center, and in school settings. And I'm so excited to come on board at Anchor Behavioral Consulting. Today, we're going to talk about what it looks like in early intervention in the state of New Jersey. So, Christina, can you tell me what it looks like to get started as an EI provider? Yeah, so I'll talk about my experience. I was working as a teacher in a school for kids with special needs at the time, and I was looking for other opportunities in different settings with different populations, and this opportunity kind of fell into my lap to be an early intervention therapist. Um, With my experience in ABA and behavior specifically with kids on the spectrum, I was given cases with families that had behavioral concerns, potentially families that were recently diagnosed, their, their kiddos were just recently diagnosed on the spectrum. I was able to go into the home and help make an impact on these behaviors, introduce new replacement behaviors, work on parent training with them, um, and really helping these families at this critical time during their child's development. Can you tell me what a parent needs to know about getting their child EI services, including what that process looks like? Yeah, definitely. So typically a family will get a referral from a pediatrician. It doesn't have to be a developmental pediatrician. It can just be their general practitioner. Um, If they're noticing any delays in development, including, you know, 
not speaking, not crawling, different milestones like that that they're just not reaching. And then after that, they'll be connected with a case manager and a psychologist or a behavior analyst to conduct an evaluation, which typically takes place in the home, takes about an hour, um, and then you should hear back from them within about two weeks about the determination. If you are deemed eligible, um, they will then discuss the location of services, which is typically in the home, and the hours that were approved, and the services that were approved too if you are seeking more than one service. For example, speech, OT, behavioral concerns, etc. Awesome. Can you run us through what an EI session might look like? Yeah, definitely. Um, it should look fun. It should look like play. It should look like one-on-one -on -one attention with the therapist and the kiddo playing, getting on their level, um, playing with toys that are in the home. Definitely should be addressing the family's concerns in whatever natural form those take. Sometimes those are in-the-moment challenges. Sometimes that's, you know, creating opportunities to work on these goals. Um, materials typically come from the home. Sometimes therapists will need specific items. Um, for example, you know, speech therapists might bring specific assessments or tools that they're going to use for their sessions, but more often than not, materials are used in the home so that families can easily carry over those strategies and, you know, replicate exactly what was going on in those sessions. With, with that being said, parents are typically really involved in early intervention sessions. There's a lot of modeling going on by the therapist and a lot of times in my experience, I would have families directly, you know, replicate what I had just done with their child so that there's a lot of back and forth learning and growing and questions being answered in the moment during, you know, challenging times or during learning opportunities, skill acquisition, different things like that. Um, goals can kind of come in every shape and form that there is. Um, sometimes that's working on things like getting dressed independently and sometimes that's playing with toys independently sometimes it's modeling language um, and everything in between so I I would typically just follow the kiddo follow their lead play with what they were playing with and show the parent and explain exactly what I was doing what are some things that parents should look for in an EI provider you definitely want your EI provider to be fun and playful um, to be open to your input during sessions. That's really important. Explaining things clearly. Feel free to ask questions and they should have an answer. Even if it's showing rather than telling, sometimes that could be more beneficial. Um, and being flexible and being able to adjust on the spot. You know, they have to understand that they're working with toddlers and, and infants and things happen and they need to be able to be flexible and work with what they've got in that moment. What should parents watch out for in a therapist? Yeah, so you definitely just want to watch out for rigidity. So, you know, kind of sticking to their word and not being able to be flexible with what's going on in the home, um, making sure that they can, you know, negotiate and, and come back to something later if it's not working out in that moment. Um, you definitely want to watch out for harsh tones. There shouldn't be any harsh tones, any reprimands of any kind during a session. Um, and not following your child's interests would be a concern to raise flags on because, you know, you're working with toddlers. If they're not interested in something, they're not going to pay attention. They're not going to be invested. They're not going to want to learn. How do you know when the therapist is a good fit? 
Some signs of a good fit and good session would be that the kiddo is happy to see their therapist each session. They're happy when the doorbell rings and the door opens and they see their face. Um, hearing a lot of giggles, belly laughs are always a good thing to hear during a session. Um, seeing little steps towards progress, I think, is a given. You want to be able to see the positive changes that this therapist is making on your kiddo's life and your life. Um, and the therapist celebrates the little wins, whatever that might look like that day, that moment. You definitely want someone that celebrates those. What should you do if it's not a good fit? That definitely happens, so don't feel any type of way. Contact your case manager. You should be in pretty regular contact with them anyway, so give them a heads up that you're seeing these concerns. They will tell you the next steps, but it really is a typically an easy process to get a switch of provider. I think that's really important to note. Anytime that your child is involved in a service, it's really important to make sure that the per person providing that service is a good fit for you, your child, and your family. What does it look like when a child is ready to transition out of early intervention to other services? Yeah, so starting on their second birthday, you and your case manager will start discussing the process, which happens on their third birthday. So about six months out, there will be a full review, a full team review with all of the therapists, the case manager, and your family going over the progress and potential options for next steps. If you're interested, they will connect you with the local school district to schedule evaluations and determine eligibility for special education services in that district. But you don't have to go to the local school district on your child's third birthday if you're not interested in that. What are the options if you're not interested in starting public school for your child? Yeah, so there are a lot of options. If you're getting multiple services, these services can be provided typically through insurance or private pay, depending on, you know, the situation. And your kiddo can still get services very similar, if not, you know, near identical to early intervention services. They can happen in home, they can happen in daycare, um, they can happen in clinics as well. So you do have options if you are satisfied with the progress you're seeing and want to continue. You can have those services continue and not send your kiddo to school right on their third birthday. I know that can be overwhelming for some families. Part of the transition out of early intervention is saying goodbye to your therapists. Can you tell me a little bit about what that looks like as a therapist and from a family's perspective? Oh, it's so sad. Um, I developed a lot of connections with my families and the kiddos that I worked with. And that day was coming and you knew it. And it was just really sad when it actually arrived. Um, but I did prepare the families and the kids as best I could for that transition so that it wasn't a surprise to the kiddos. Um, a lot of times my last couple of weeks of sessions, we'd go out in the community and do fun things and really apply all of those skills to, you know, a different setting, a new and fun setting and make sure that, you know, we left on a really high note. Um, but it's sad. It's definitely sad. So as a BCBA, we have um, ethical guidelines that basically say that you can't give or receive gifts with your clients. How are you navigating that in the field of early intervention? Yeah, so I was, I made sure that I let my families know that I was under these ethical guidelines. Um, and so, so families got really creative and they would make me crafts with their kids as a surprise, um, which was really, really nice. So I still have those. Uh, little handprints and things like that. 
that I can hang on my wall and remember. And, you know, we are able to stay in touch. And if they need anything, I let them know that I can always be a resource for them. That's great. I know that as a BCBA myself, it's always hard when we have to say goodbye to our kiddos. I think also as a parent, it's super important for you to listen to your instinct. So if you are bringing up concerns to your child's pediatrician and they are not validating your concerns or don't think that it's time for your child to be evaluated for early intervention, it's also really important that you get a second opinion. You really need to trust your parent instincts and go with your gut. Thanks so much for joining me and helping inform parents about navigating the AI system. Talk to you in five minutes. Bye.